Jakey. Shall we talk business? There we are. So we got that good. We got it off the ground. This episode is brought to you by Bay Juice. Bay Juice translates to pear in Korean. That's right. Bay Juice is 100% Korean pear juice. Oh, it's absolutely filled to the brim with micronutrients. You want to know how you get max results? Wrap your succulent lips around Bay before you wrap them around an alcohol beverage this weekend. It should be the first thing you drink on a night out, and it'll be the first thing you thank in the morning. Righto, let's get into the show. Joe, thanks for your time, mate. No problem. Um, really appreciate you being here. This is the first um, of this. this big is guest, a, first yeah, up. Big guest. Joe Botson. Um, and really excited to talk about everything we're going to talk about. I think for everyone listening, this is our first episode of Aces in Business. So it's a new it's a new podcast that we've come up with, um, and this is more about talking to people that we know really well um, that do a lot of great things in business and other things away from what everyone probably knows you as a, as a football um, guru. So, yeah, mate, really excited about today and uh, especially me. We've got a lot of things you like to talk. NFL, a lot of passion there for the we NFL. That we have to give a shout out to Braden as well. Look at this. So we're, in yeah. a, we're in a roaming caravan here. It's, it's unbelievable. You said you haven't. Have you seen anything like this before? Not at all. The setup <laughs> is amazing. Just uh, go and park it, get a two-hour bay and then <laughs> yeah. move on. I mean, it's convenience. Well, it's safe to say we took on Elliot Loney's criticism yeah. pretty seriously when like, he had to pay 28 bucks for parking last week. In so. football, I've had a lot of feedback in the time. <laughs> act on it as quick as they can so I can get a game the next week. So The stop start. Keep, yeah, keep all about it. So stop uh, making your guests drive to Richmond and park twenty eight dollars an hour, and uh, yeah, come to them. So we found a solution. So thank you to Roland Media, the, the new guys looking after us. Well, we'll start with now, Joe. What are you uh, up to at the moment with yourself? So I'm full-time dad, which is keeping me busy. Got two little ones uh, and a third on the way. So it's uh, it's exciting. It's a it's a fun house. It's chaos, but <laughs> enjoying it. Uh, a long time ago, I was a, a selfish footballer and then children uh, level you out very quickly. You realize you're not the most important person <laughs> in the room. So uh, that's been a, a fun adjustment. And then uh, still working um, in uh, property business. So uh, we, um, we buy residential properties for investors and owner-occupiers and um, – and manage rent roles as well, um, and then uh, a few other ventures that I've been um, undertaking over the past few years, and obviously have uh, the, the cafes and the hospitality group over in uh, in New York, and then have just started a um, an instant coffee business here in Melbourne. Um, so Morning Joe Coffee is uh, a group that uh, has probably been a two year. Process to, to get us to a stage where we've got um, production and and uh, a product that's out in the customers' hands, and uh, it's been a fun process to go, you know, from starting from scratch. Hey, that's unreal. When did the coffee, the Morning Joes, go live? Um, so we went live in um, uh, January and of this year. Yeah. Oh, really? Year, so it's that new? Yeah, we, we've. Um, we, we started uh, talking about it and, and sort of working through it about uh, two and a half years ago mm. uh, with myself and uh, business partners and my partner Virginia is involved as well. So the four of us are, um, are all in, in the uh, the company and really uh, started from just looking at, uh, you know, gaps in the market. 
yeah. uh, didn't necessarily have to be coffee, but obviously I've got a, a background in, in cafes and and um, and hospitality. And uh, we we were looking at alcohol free um, beer a couple about three or four years ago, um, yeah. and just sort of didn't have the the time to get it off the ground. But then we we pivoted and 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 looked at uh, instant coffee and and um, have really enjoyed the process of you know sourcing a coffee um, and then going from. Uh, from nothing to, to creating a business out of it. It's pretty crazy. Can we can we start talking about the coffee journey? Because yeah, I think so. Did, did that open up on the New York venture when you when you went for that year when obviously the suspension happened or did that happen before? Were you always interested in the sort of Brewster coffee? I was. It was funny. I was. Space. I was always um, interested in in cafes and and hospitality. Um, and at the start of uh, 2016, when we got banned, um, I would walk across the road to the cafe near my house, and they were really good guys, and I knew them really well. And then just one day, I was there, and I just said, "Look, uh, uh, can you guys just teach me how to make coffee." And they said, "Sure, yeah, you know, stand here and do this <laughs> and burn the milk and all that sort of stuff." And this was like after they'd sort of closed. This was just um, a cafe in in uh, Middle Park, and. Uh, and then so once I, um, I I did that and I felt like I had learned something about it, then when I moved to New York, I got connected to Barry who uh, had started um, the Hole in the Wall, which was literally a, uh, a cafe that was uh, an old newspaper stand. Uh, a news agency inside a building in um, Avenue of the Americas, and and so it was a tiny, tiny little space, uh, it was big enough for a um, uh, like a machine. And uh, the only other thing we did, we had baked bakery um, sort of uh, goods and a little toaster where we made like a smashed avo, <laughs> and that was it. Um, so Barry took me on. I, I came up to him and, and said to him, "Listen, mate, um, I've got a lot of free time here in New York. Uh, th- things could go one way or the other." <laughs> Exactly right. <laughs> a lot I mean, of vi- a lot of a lot of vices in New York. Yeah. <laughs> not quite Vegas, but it's not far away. So I need some structure and I need to be organised. And I'd love the opportunity to do something that I didn't ever really uh, do as a someone who was you know in a, a professional athlete here in Melbourne. And that's you know just to have something a little bit mundane where I could just you know meet people and and ch- talk and just be you know chew the fat, which is what I really loved about it. And and he said yeah and, I, and then I said to him and I'll, I'll work for free I don't want to get paid for it I just I, I'd love to just come here and help out well, it's a Essendon great Joe Watson he's yeah. got a year off he's gone into a random cafe in New York and goes mate I'll work for free oh, <laughs> he can teach me how to make coffee that's <laughs> not real <laughs> not how, how, how hard is it to make I mean I've I've learnt once at yeah. a friend's cafe in in, um, in Freo there but obviously I, I butchered it yep how hard is it to, to learn and how long did it take you to nail a coffee yeah, it took – I can make a 1,000 coffees just before you start like every sort of one becomes consistently good. Yeah. And uh, and luckily, like the Americans don't necessarily have yeah. as sophisticated <laughs> palate as what we do. It's a 1,000 angry. There was a lot of time where I just shoved the lid on and just handed it there and they didn't want them to look at what the, the bubbles and things like yeah. that that I created. Do you have like an opinion of their coffee before you went over there? Because naturally it's pretty – like it's pretty bad if I compare yeah. to here. Well, like like every Australian and and particularly a Melbourneian is whenever you were anywhere around the world, you'd try and find an Australian cafe. Yeah, and that, that was true, isn't it? That was what you'd be looking at on Google or Yelp or whatever it was, and saying like, "Is there any Aussies who have started something here?" Yeah. Um, and so I was exactly the same. I had the same philosophy about it. Um, but uh, you know, 
that was the uh, introduction to Hole in the Wall and the cafes there. And obviously, there's been uh, others who were sort of further ahead of us. You know, Bluestone Lane is a huge one over there with Nick Stone and Andy, Andy Stone, who've um, gone on to sort of conquer all of uh, America and uh, doing really well. And, and we're sort of uh, a few years behind them. But, um, but Barry and the team... Um, over there have done a, a wonderful job at um, you know growing not just a hole in the wall which is the cafe arm of the business but um, you know uh, we've got a fine dining um, restaurant now um, Isla um, Daintree which is a, a bar uh, we've got a membership club over there so parched hospitality group which is which is right. what we are is uh, I guess the the umbrella and underneath that is um, all these sort of hospitality ventures and um, it's really been driven by uh, these Australians. So Barry's a, a Western Australian and uh, we try to employ as many as Australians as we have. Right. Uh, any any Australians over the, uh, who are listening, you know, and they'd love an opportunity to go and work, um, you know, in New York, we're always looking for. Um, Australians to come over and That's work awesome. for us. You know, we can get visas and things like that. And um, we just, we love being able to have the Australian uh, feel in, in our cafes. And I think our customers really love it and enjoy it as well. So, um, you know, it's been a uh, really interesting um uh, I guess uh, development from something that was so small into to something that's growing now, and uh, it's been a really enjoyable one. And you know, a lot of the credit goes to to Barry, who's the the managing director, Barry Dry, um, who's been able to uh, to grow the business. So, did you when you started this, I guess, hospitality group? Is this with Barry? Is there anyone else in it along with you yourself? <laughs> yeah. So there's uh, there's originally sort of. Um, five owners of five it owners. and so Barry and his sister and then two mates from um, West Australia that he grew up with uh, and then I was the, the sort of the fifth person and um, and then we, we've as we've grown and we've taken on more capital and things like that we've obviously um, you know had new partners come along yeah. um, did, did some raises um, but uh, yeah the, the plan is to, to, to continue to try and grow the business um, you know looking at putting in uh, cafes in Mi- Miami at the moment uh, Isla is going down to um, Miami as well as a fine dining um, looking at Atlanta um, continuing to grow out in New York um, so uh, it's been a really fun journey and um, the guys have done a great job and we get enormous amount of support of Australians uh, it's been difficult over the last two years but the amount of people who would um, you know uh, tag me in a photo or uh, on Instagram saying I went to your cafe I had a great coffee like we get a lot of people who who are traveling who have really been very supportive of it so we're very thankful mate that's so I'm just picturing being Barry <laughs> imagine yeah. Joe Botts walking and asking can I work for free and then all of a sudden your business partner's in a hospitality group it's pretty uh... well, I'm visualizing this little tiny cafe that you've mentioned <laughs> and now we've got this empire and, that's <laughs> right. and it, it, it's incredible how hard is it to get it from that little little you know little Little cafes and now what you're what you're doing? Yeah, well, I guess you know Barry's been very diligent about um, the location. You know, like we that was always key. Um, you know, as we grew and the. the I guess the, the every step you take is there's a lot of risk with it because you're taking on you know new capital and it's a new venture and there's expenditure and things like that. But um, you know we looked at uh, the the location was always key. You know being able to find something that is you know close to um, you know monuments and and close to subways that have multiple lines running through it and those sorts of things are the parameters. You know outside space and um, and so each step you take you, you're trying to 
continue on a formula that makes sense. Um, but early on, obviously, the uh, the limited amount of exposure you have is is um, difficult because you you've got. Um, you don't know what you, you're doing, you know, like you're taking, yeah. you, you're sort of dipping your toe in the water, but you, you've got to, uh, if it fails early on, it's very hard to convince people to then put in more money to, right. you know, yeah. make it work next time. So you have to build slowly. Um, and that's what he's been able to do. And, and just as, as he's grown, um, we, we were able to take some advantage. We did a capital raise internally in, uh, December 2019. So just before COVID hit. So we had, um, a, a fair bit of capital. Um, and and then we were able to sort of pick up some sites that probably we wouldn't have been able to afford um, pre-COVID, but mm. um, we had the capital to be able to do it and then, then took over them as rents plummeted. Yeah. Um, so we were able to, to get into spots that we would never have been able to afford afterwards. So, you know, a part of it is just luck and timing. Through crisis comes opportunity. <laughs> How much capital would you have to raise to be able to do this next step? Um, well, I guess you, you're probably looking uh, for a, like a, a First time cafe with um you know like a maybe a forty fifty seat sort of thing and we were doing it on a budget you know like mm. Was, mm. you know you're probably looking at raising you know three hundred US something like that yeah. to, mm-hmm. to to start yourself off um and then as you get bigger obviously more and more money that you're raising um and you that that in it's not just always bigger is better either you know like yeah. the bigger you are the more responsibilities the more management that's required all all those sorts of things the more things that can go wrong so mm. it's I, I think there's it's what patience patience is something that is really important in it you you want to sort of build slowly uh, until you've got all the right um. Uh, I, I guess systems in place to be able to withstand um, that type of r- really quick growth or, or those those problems that come with quick growth. One thing, um, me and Tommy are actually very keen to speak speak to you about this Gary V engagement you had. But one thing oh, you actually yeah. said on the conversation with him, which resonated probably your were a little bit better than I was when you were playing, but is when you're sort of tied to a sport and a career, you kind of lose a bit of you know your own self discovery and finding out what you like and who you are potentially outside of that sport because you're so defined by it. When did you kind of establish that you're interested in property, had this interest in coffee? Was that in your career or was that sort of when you had that year off, you kind of started to spread your wings a little bit? Yeah, I think um, I, I had uh, the interest when I was still playing um, and when I was uh, – that was my sole focus, but it certainly um, – uh, expanded in the year off when I had the 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 mental space and yeah. and the time to be able to cultivate it and uh, that's what I felt was the really really defining year in my life um, was was that twelve months off um, because it gave me the the opportunities to for self reflection and self discovery um, and I hadn't had that kind of time or devoted that amount of time before when I was uh, full-time as a AFL footballer, um, where now I look back and, and think it almost like my, my life was, uh, you know, it, it was the, the, the Robert Frost two paths sort of thing. Like it, it was that, that um, you know, divergence in the wood type um, scenario and I was able to take the, a path that I really hadn't even um, thought was there. Um, and I guess that was just, uh, I look back on it as just a wonderful opportunity, you know, to, to have able to have done that. So, um, whenever I, you know, talk to, to players or to people who are, you know, asking for, you know, what, what did you do or advice or anything like that? I always talk about, you know, like if you can have the ability to, 
finish your career and take time off for self-discovery, that would be the one thing that I would um, – my advice or would impart on people was that is was so valuable to me. Yeah. It's pretty um, It's pretty crazy because you think when you're going into that year, you think, oh, this is going to be terrible or tough. Yeah. And now you look back in hindsight, it's like one of the most – you know, empowering moments of probably your life to set you up for where you are now. Can you talk to us about why New York, like what that gave you? Because we're, he loves his American sport. He loves the American culture. Yep. Like the energy around New York, something you've spoken of a lot. Like when you say that, what, what exactly do you mean? Well, um, I, like Tommy, you know, like I was a, I'm a huge NFL fan. Uh, I had been to New York for uh, on multiple occasions previously, but I'd always wanted to immer- immerse myself in a, in a city. Um, and I'd, whenever I travelled, I always felt like I was, you know, obviously living in a in a um, suitcase and, and moving on. And the, the value for me to be in New York was about really feeling like it was a place where I could reside and felt like almost home. Um, I had uh, friends who were there who were obviously a big part of me wanting to go there too mm-hmm. um, because I wanted to knew uh, to know some people, mm-hmm. but. Um, I just felt like it was the right city for me to go to. Um, and I think, you know, with what had transpired here, I think being, you know, some, you know, being anonymous and, and being able to just feel like I could be myself um, without the the pressure of, of feeling like people were uh, judging or, or had a preconceived idea about myself, I think was something that I was craving to at that stage of my life. That's awesome. When you were there with all everything going on down here in Melbourne and obviously you've just checked out, at what point do you reckon throughout the time there you started to feel, you know, almost human again? You're not worrying about all these stresses, you know, all the all the pressures of being a skipper and all that, you know, all the media conferences you would have done, all everything. And I know a lot about yourself and other people how you would have gave more of yourself to everyone else and um, that does take a lot of energy out of, you know, out of you. Yep. At what point in New York did you start to go, hang on? I'm starting to get over this hump now. I'm starting to really just cherish all this kind of cafe opportunities and all these people I'm meeting and the energy and everyone else around me. Yeah. Um, it was – I was there for, uh, you know, probably about two months um, and then we went on this trip. Uh, we went on a canoeing trip up uh, up north in uh, New York State um, in the Catskills and uh, – we this was around Fourth of July, so I'd probably been there two or three months, and it was like uh, in the middle of nowhere, doing something like on a canoe for five days, camping in the you know, mm-hmm. and it just felt like a, a total um, disconnect from every other aspect of my life, and it was like I was just uh, you know in nature and almost completely free of all the weight that I'd been carrying, mm-hmm. um, and I felt like that had. That was a really therapeutic trip for me, um, and that was almost like a a really healing type of um, trip that I was able to to undertake. Um, and I I had enjoyed from the moment I stepped on the off the plane and arrived in New York. I I felt you know like I'd been was starting to heal and and felt better about being there. But I distinctly remember that that trip and and just feeling so like I was breathing again and, yeah. and felt comfortable again. 
It's pretty, it's so when you um when you went there, I heard you wrote a list of like things you wanted to accomplish. Some were kind of quirky, some were actually you know probably more towards where you wanted to go. Yep. What was on that? What was on that list? Like, if I was all sorts of in- things. Like, uh, well, I wanted to to um to live in. A, this was before I was back in Melbourne when I did it. When I wrote the list before yeah. I took off, so it was you know I wanted to live in another city. Uh, I wanted to learn three new skills. Um, I wanted to meet someone. Um, I wanted to. I can't remember the, the couple of the other things, but they were they were a mixture of you know like I wanted to to, to be out of my comfort zone. I wanted to uh, f- you know really think about what I what life would look like for me. Those sorts of things, and, and then some of them were funnier and you know, like, <laughs> stupid. But uh, <laughs> we're not stupid. I've kept it somewhere. I've got it somewhere. You ticked most of them off, though. Yeah, I did. Life. I did. I yeah. was. I was really um, happy with how I. Um, yeah. You know, I did. I. I, uh, I did all sorts of things that year. Like I filled so much into that that period of time. Um, you know, I went hiking in Norway. I, I went on all these different places. I was in Sweden by myself, and and all these things where you you just don't feel like you um, you really explore when perhaps you're in a routine. Yeah. yeah, and that it was breaking of the routine that was was really important. Did that make you like almost not want to come back at any point because you were enjoying life so much and you were doing things that were so unique to what you'd normally done? And obviously in Melbourne, you're defined as always a footy player. And Tim Watson's son, probably before you played footy, like yep. was it nice to be away from that for a while and almost kind of I don't want to go back to that at, at any point, or were you always coming back? No, I was really struggling to come back. I yeah. um, I, I moved my um, flight back. I kept moving it back and back and back because <laughs> I, I, I was really uh, I was battling coming home. Yeah. And and had I my sister was getting married, um, so I had to come home. But I don't know. Uh, yeah, I was. I, it wasn't easy for me to come home. It was a real um, struggle, and it was because I felt like I was about to. I felt like I was like a happier, healthier person away mm-hmm. and I didn't know that I wanted to subject myself to going back to something that was painful. Yeah, and yeah, that that's was, right. That's that was what a, I'd be thinking too. Yeah, it was a really difficult um, – yeah, I was, you know, where you, you're sort of avoiding something. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're hiding doors, mate. I was yeah. going to say, you, you know it's coming, I reckon, at the end <laughs> yeah. of the trip. I reckon you would have had that sweet spot right in the middle and then you're like, oh, I've got to go home. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's crazy. So you went through, like, adversity through your whole career, which is quite admirable, really. Like, a lot of it was, you know, unbeknown to, to what you could control. But um, do you find that that's helped you, like, operate with your business and day-to-day with people? Like, has that actually helped you in certain areas that you can kind of look back on and, and almost be a little bit grateful for how that's maybe matured you or, or made you sort of more aware of, you know, the world that is? Yeah, I'm so, I, I really am. I, grateful is the right way to, to describe it. I mean, um, the the lessons that I, I've had and the experiences that I've had have, have turned me into the person that I am now. Um, and I would much rather have had to fight and struggle for it then it had to have been easy for me. Um, I think that as a player or as a professional athlete, you learn some really wonderful skills that you can carry on to the next phase of your life. Mm. Um, but the transition from being a professional athlete to the uh, the, the, the world that you then um, go into, which is a very different one, is a, is a difficult transition to make. And it, and um, and I feel especially uh, for any athlete that struggles with that, because I can understand and empathise at how difficult um, yeah. that transition is, where you you go from being com- 
completely um, absorbed by uh, one thing and dominating your, your life or mm-hmm. to be gone and then to have to um, navigate uh, the rest of your life and your world. Mm-hmm. Um, and so uh, for me, it's been uh, – I look back on everything that I had uh, as, a, as a really great opportunity and, and, I'm, and I'm thankful for it. Yeah. Do you – I guess, do you have a view that players now that have platforms are probably going to be more relevant than they'll ever be because people want to watch them, people are fans of their footy clubs. Do you have a, like a perspective on they should be using their platforms, their social medias to kind of allow themselves to create a brand or create businesses that are going to set them up beyond, you know, footy, for example? Um, I don't think that there should be, they, they should do anything that doesn't make them feel comfortable. Um, because there, there are so many different types of personality types. Like I'm not an, not an extroverted type of person. You know, I would rather no one know anything about me, but I understand yeah. that that is not how, how it <laughs> yeah. really works. You know, like in, in society, you know, like you, you need to be able to um, interact with people and yeah. you need to be able to – and that's what business is, is about. I think that um, – all, all players and all athletes should realise that they're never as relevant as when they're playing mm. and they just have to accept that because yeah. if you fight that, uh, I think you end up you end up living in the past yeah. um, and I don't think that that is a healthy way to approach it. I think that um, for, for people and players who want to facilitate their brand and their uh, and navigate you know the social world and 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 use the the reach that they can have i think that it's a wonderful opportunity for them and it sets them up it's like when i talk to people in, about property and i talk to players and, and i've helped a lot of players buy houses i talk to them about the steps that most people take when they're buying a house most people buy buy an apartment they save for another three or four years and then they buy maybe a villa unit and then they save for a bit more years and then maybe they can afford a house. Right. And I was saying to you guys, like, you, 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 you're missing 12 years of steps here and that's the opportunity that you have. You, you can go straight into buying a house. Yeah. Um, and that's a little bit like I think what they can do with their, with their brand and their social media reach um, is you've got this brand and this relevance that can elevate you you know, for 10 years plus that someone else might have to work for. Um, yeah. And that's what you should use as leverage if you want to. If you don't want to, then there's no there's no point in having a great social media following and a great brand if it makes you feel terrible about yourself. <laughs> yeah, that's a yeah, very yeah, good yeah, point. Yeah, yeah. A bit like Tommy, mate. He's got a big following. No, nah, no, nah, you're spot on. I've dropped right off now. <laughs> 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 no, but it is funny because I've been, what, a year out. COVID doesn't help. What, right in the middle, um, not being able to do, you know, certain things and probably haven't reflected as much as you wanted to, but... I have said the same to a few people and some blokes that are of personalities that I feel like they've got more opportunity, but you can't, you can't push them. Um, but I, I do think that there's probably, um, you know, even going through it, you don't realize it until you're out. Like yeah. I probably realized it a little bit when I was a rookie. Yep. I got, when I got like a rookie contract, I went and I was literally losing money yeah. my last year. I got like, there was a pay cut, 50%. I'm in Sydney. Mm. I literally was paying to play, which yeah. is pretty bizarre but it is what it is I actually love it you know I, love, yeah. I owned it because um, no one probably has done that before but that was when I was like you know I've got a business here brand maybe it is time to to kind of step aside and yep. and then that's when you start to go shit I wish I <laughs> when I went to New York I wish I didn't get that booth or <laughs> You'd never think like that. No, 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 that's not you, Tommy. Oh, You've never had a bad booth. That's him on camera. That's him on camera. Now you do. Now you do. Yeah, but you, ma- you make a good point, though, about like 
the professional athletes, they get access to more things quicker because they're making, you know, a surplus amount of money when they start making money. It's almost yeah. like there's almost a gap there though. You know, you're, you're making almost the most money you'll ever make in your life. Some of them mm. in like their first few paychecks is, do you find there's like the, the financial literacy aspect? Cause you obviously spoke of when you're helping players buying properties, yep. like that guidance I can imagine must be, you know, pretty important for some of them. Absolutely. Yeah. I think that, um, what, what I would say, and my advice to, to, to players specifically in the AFL, I guess, is um, is save, save enough money so that you can have a, a journey of self-discovery when the, when the career ends. That would mm-hmm. be my most valuable sort of pa- uh, piece of advice, I think, because I think that if you can, if you can have a six-month or a twelve-month period after the football ends for you, whether or not you've had a a twelve-year career and you feel completely satisfied, or you've had a three-year career and you're bitter, bitter and jaded, I think that that process is a really rewarding one that can really help you navigate the transition, but also um, facilitate the next uh, growth. In, in your life, wow. and that 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 I think is the one thing I would advise players. You know, like if you can save or put away, you know, five percent or two percent a year, you know, like it'll be enough because uh, it, it'll give you the opportunity to work out who you are and what you like. Mm. And those were the questions I didn't really ask myself until I had that twelve months off. It's pretty cool. Like you could almost for the listeners, it's it's relatable to kind of anyone that's doing any job that wants to change your career, yeah. if they're in a position to do so, but oh. almost having like a sabbatical period to, you know. Probably going to book me a trip to New York. <laughs> yeah, I just, all I'm thinking here is I'm like, not, Tommy, we, we just that. started this podcast and he's going to be on a sabbatical in Miami working on it. I certainly haven't done that. I haven't done that. It's great. I mean, the next thing is when you did write that down, did you get the answers out and, and what were they? Yeah, I did. I mean, I, I got I – got, the the satisfaction of becoming a more rounded person um, and having greater perspective on life, um, having and being thankful for the things that I felt were um, negatives, um, and that's what I was able to do. I was able to reflect on who I was, um, what my life had been like up until that point, um, the direction that I wanted to take it, um, and. It's not something that is. Uh, it's like you, you need to keep reminding yourself about it as you're going too, because you can easily fall back into traps of, oh, I don't want to do this or I don't want to do that. But you know, my philosophy for that twelve months was just to say yes to everything. You know, it's a silly sort of thing to think about it, but um, it was just to experience as much as I can. Um, but life has a way of sort of pulling you back, you know, to mundane or, uh, you know, you get into this level of comfort where you don't think you can do things and stuff like that. And I think you need to keep reminding yourself um, about that. Um, and that's what I've been able to do. How do you kind of keep business fun and enjoyable for yourself, especially when you're scaling out and getting so busy doing multiple things? Like for you, what are some of the values or principles that you really like enjoy, you know, day to day in your business operation? Well, I try to do, um, do, do things that I enjoy. So being involved in businesses that I'm interested in. Um, that's the that's the thing for me. So like I love property, so I enjoy coming and um, you know working for property. I love coffee, so I enjoy uh, I enjoy learning about um, things that I don't know. So uh, you know I don't have uh, a lot of experience building a brand, but I've really enjoyed um, 
you know, doing that. Uh, and I've enjoyed building a, an online presence uh, and the importance of that. And I've enjoyed, uh, you know, sourcing, uh, trying to find the best possible instant coffee we can and then trying to find, um, you know, compostable packaging uh, and those sorts of things. Like, for, for, yeah, exactly. It's not easy. But for me, it's like uh, that's what life is about. It's about like constantly learning. Um, and and in and enjoying that process because if you're standing still, then you're going backwards. Mm-hmm. Um, so for me, it's like uh, I've got to I've got to keep finding things that are um, that I don't know anything about. I need to uh, I, I need to feel like I'm a novice at things um, because then at least I'm learning something. You've got so much on the go, right? So how do you go with your time management and putting all your energy into family and other things? Like you said, it's you're gonna be very selfless. <laughs> Three, now. Third kid on the way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you're third on the it's way. Yeah. I mean, how much sleep do you get as well? <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot going on. It's, yeah. it's incredible. How do you how do you find the time to be able to do everything um, so methodically? Um, well, I, I think that you just pro- for me, it's the, the family is the priority. So um, it, it just becomes uh, everything works off the back of that. Um, so, if the if family is is feels like it's it's um, it's going well and it, and it's catered for, then you um, you have the opportunity to then focus your your time and energy. I mean, you need to be to have discipline and structure. But um, if if my home life is not working or the family is suffering or I don't feel like I'm getting the kind of um, connection with my children or they're not having the kind of experience that I would want them to have, then it, it doesn't matter what business life is like, you know, it doesn't, yeah. business could be great, but yeah. you're miserable, you know, so, <laughs> yeah. so that, that's, that's the thing is, uh, it has to be, it's the number one, two yeah. priority for me because, uh, really I, I, you know, business is great, but it, it pales in comparison. Yeah. Happy wife, happy life, Tommy. Eh? Mm-hmm. Um, do you do you still have the F forty five in New York? Yeah, we've still got the F forty five. So that's been a real challenge um, with the lockdowns. Yeah, um, and the because um, New York got they got smashed with it as well, didn't they? Yeah, I mean, um, probably earlier than what we did. They've yeah, probably come out of it um, now, where this winter hasn't been nearly as bad as what the the previous two were. But we were shut like everyone, um, trying to to uh, negotiate um, rental. Um, you know, the relief and that sort of thing. Um, and then gyms will, like here, we've been one of the ones where it's been very, very slow to um, come back, you know, like there's uh, wearing masks inside or distance that you have to keep, those sorts of things. So it's been a real challenge. Um, and that's been, you know, again, it's a, it's a good learning curve about um, things don't always go well and you just have to, sometimes you just sort of got to grin and bear it and just uh, work a way, you know, like a plan through it. So what were the effects of that? Was it like just <clears throat> you can't open memberships are on hold, for example, no ca- and no you cash. guys, you guys are still paying? Well, you can. You, there was there was rental relief, so you're okay. able to negotiate with okay. the landlord um, about you know like we're not getting any money here, so yeah. we've got nothing to pay <laughs> yeah. you. With. Yeah, so yeah. giving them something is better than nothing. Yeah, example, or right? just you know saying, listen, we we will be able to um, pay you when we can start working again. Right. But at the moment, <laughs> yeah, what yeah. you want us to do, mate? Yeah, you, you're gonna, if you kick us out, there's no one coming to take you yeah. know, the spot yeah. off us because yeah. that's what it was like. You know, like the whole city shut down. Yeah, crazy. Yeah. How did you um? How did you get into that? Did you? So uh, when I was over there um, in in 17, I was sort of looking at it and I thought that there was a gap in the market again um, for that kind of. Um, 
exercise routine uh, and then a Australian guy who was here um, sort of approached me and said look I'm, I want to move over there with my wife and and I'm interested in, in buying a franchise here and uh, I know you lived in Williamsburg what do you think about the area and I said look I, I did some investigating when I was there too about it I think there's a it's the right sort of profile um, for the people who are living there and, and I think there's a lot of similarities between um, the kinds of people who are, who are living in, in that area who who would be the kind of clientele that I've seen mm-hmm. be here and, and being involved in those and have really enjoyed and ex, um, been the kinds of members that you see here in mm-hmm. whatever, you know, high-intensity sort of workout it is. But I thought that the profile of people who were living in Williamsburg are the right people who were the ones Fast who used paced, to be Fast-paced, yeah. yeah. Yes. That's amazing. We got to talk about, obviously, you boys love your, your football, New York Jets, but the Gary V. Encounter. Obviously, I don't know if Gary V. I mean, he was huge when you spoke to him, but now he's like a phenomenon everywhere on social media talking about, you know, marketing and strategies for all sort of juniors and kids. What was that? How did that happen? Like, how did you on the same couch with Gary V. Like, well, in uh, Melbourne, it's pretty yeah, crazy. I, I, I had no idea who he was um, <laughs> at the time. No, no. I was like, do you know who he is now? I know, I know now. Yeah, yeah. yeah okay. But da- David Zaharakis had a podcast, um, and he had a uh, any a clash with the um, the time they they had somehow gotten um, <laughs> Gary V. on as a guest when he was coming out here, and then Zacha rang me and said, "Listen, mate, um, the club have said to us we've got to be at this." and I can't get out of it. Gary V is coming to do it. Can you fill in for me? And I said, oh, okay, sure. And that was it. That was how it happened. So, oh wow! Yeah. So you had you no up no, with your New no. York connection. So no. you had no idea, no preconceived like anything about no, him before. I, I sort of had to do some research on him. I knew he was a big Jets fan, so I yeah. thought I could talk about him. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But I didn't know anything else about it. So, wow. did you was- did you like pick up anything off him at the moment? Did you kind of? Gas like you know when grass when you're talking to him like, like this guy's pretty switched on he's a big yeah well, obviously as soon as you you start to look at some of the stuff that he he was doing or the the things that he was putting out there and then when you talk to him you go like this guy's an absolute guru at what he's yeah. doing and he's really really clever and you can see what he was um like he, he's picking trends you know two or three years ahead of stuff and uh, and then since then I've you know obviously I've, I've followed in him I've been in, um, absorbing what he's been saying and things like that but. At the time, yeah, no, I was completely. But is that ignorant. funny? We, yeah. What we would call over broken glass, to speak to Gary V, and yeah. Job's just been subbed in and just oh. like met him without even knowing. I generally <laughs> thought that you teed that one up, and I was we were doing some research, and I was yeah. like, "This is unbelievable." He's on the couch. All <laughs> I wanted to talk about was NFL. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> I think that's all you want to talk about. Yeah. Too, right? oh, he's he's goes, for it. <laughs> he goes to the Jets. I feel sorry for yeah, him. Yeah, I know. Oh, but I he know. was interesting. Like he was talking about, um, you know, like Sam Darnold at the time. So Sam Darnold yeah. just. Jets had just picked him up with the number three draft pick. And um, he was like, you know, I would do anything for Sam Darnold to to help him out because of, of my love for the Jets. Mm. But that relevance is gone, you know, now yeah. because he, he got traded and things like that. And so, so that true. was what he was talking about. It yeah. was like when it, with sports and whatever people's passions are, if they have someone there who's involved in that, they would bend over backwards to help them. But that yeah. relevance can really quickly that's go. so true, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. He talks about like wanting to own the Jets. Now. Yeah, Gary I think v. he would. Like, yeah, That's, that's like it. his goal, life goal almost. wait a few more years. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> well, they've got a good coach now. I, I like where they're going. I think they've made a couple of key decisions. I don't know if I Ship has really demonstrated that they're any good at what they're doing. <laughs> nah, nah. He's um, the Jets have been. I mean, because 
when Eric Decker was there, I went and watched. I felt like they were on the they were, they were going, and then they just kind of all just folded. I think he said they just cut everyone that was over thirty. Yeah, it's yeah. pretty poor, I thought. And yeah. um, they've been struggling for the last five years. Speaking yeah. of like sports management and. I guess ownership as such, but like within the AFL, just from like a business standpoint, because obviously you had front row seats to how it operates and, and you're obviously very switched on now with business. Like if you were in a CEO position of a club, is there is there anything really obvious that you would think implementing into an AFL operation would really make it better, like significantly better that's maybe missed now that you've kind of seen both sides of the coin? Um, I think the, the, they just become so absorbed by results and the immediate and it becomes so emotional. And that's yeah. the, that's the the difficult thing about it. It's it's the reason why um, people spend so much money on on supporting their team. But it's also such a detriment when you're trying to manage manage that um, organization as well. Is that it, it becomes so reactive, yeah. you know, and it's so. Um, it's such a waste of time by being reactive. You know, yeah. like you, you lose the opportunity to to, to plan and to um, to to stay the course or to to implement change. And I think that that's what happens in the NFL is that no one ever really gets the opportunity to to change anything unless they have success early, because then that success early bides you time. But otherwise, you just become reacting, and it becomes like this circle. Um, mm. And I think that that uh, the 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 greatest thing about uh, sport is the emotion that it invokes in people, but it also becomes one of its biggest detriments is when you're trying to deal with that emotion yeah. and what you do with that emotion that it invokes. And then the pressure externally and, the, and, the, and, the, and then the media and then it's like, oh, we're gone. It's true though. It's a highly emotional well, like environment, a, isn't it? It's like a um, – it's funny. Uh, one of your one – of your, I think it was the front bar, your first game, I think you – I don't know if you had two touches or yeah. two tackles, but my last game I – I had one touch at three-quarter time. Right? <laughs> and you'd understand, like, it's my first game back after tearing a calf tendon. Oh, no. And I just – you know what my head was at three-quarter time? I was like, I've literally embarrassed my family right now. Everyone's watching. And then, thank God, I got, like, four cheap kicks at the end. I <laughs> five. But you're literally, like, you're reacting to this that one game. I got dropped. But I actually played a really strong game as a team player, like, yeah. you know, with your patterns and all that. But – you know, mentally, you're like, I'm done. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's probably sure. exactly how coaches are thinking, he's yeah. no good anymore, let's get rid of him. Yeah. But uh, it's it's funny enough, when you get beat by 100 or you win by 30, that that can happen back to back. You can yeah. win one week and then you can lose by 50. Yeah. All of a sudden, you're the worst team ever. It's, it's yeah, I, I the, love that. The, um, like the, the, the most important rounds for a team are the first, like, four rounds because if if you don't do if you're not going well in the first four rounds then immediately your whole season becomes reactive you you're you're reacting to external things like and that and that's that's just it's so counterproductive you know like if if you thought about it like the 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 next six months of our (laughs) our business if you're running a business a football club as a business is going to be uh a, re- a reaction to the first month of it. That's ridiculous. That's how it that's operates. Well that, that, that's, that's all well been there, mate. The yeah. reviews go from 30 minutes to two hours. Players yeah. are like, oh. oh. Yeah, I can imagine both your boardroom conversations are a little bit more lighthearted than copping a spray by Ross Lyon at halftime for not I could listen to, to this. So, so Scott Gumbleton lived with me and he went and played with them. Um, oh. and, and I could listen to Ross Lyon's stories <laughs> oh. over and over. Oh. You've got hours few, and hours. I'm sure 
what you do. I need a year of self-reflection. <laughs> <laughs> I reckon you get the shakes if you if you walked around a corner and saw him at a coffee shop oh, or something. No, it was a really good relationship, but then the next day it was the worst one. <laughs> oh, it was great. No, it was just like you said, you, I'm very grateful for being ripped a new one every second week. Yeah. But it's hard work. But yeah, they're they're very funny when you're not on the end of them. Yeah, yeah. Like, oh, they're, they're hilarious. So like, there's things like um, there was one one day where like I'm good mates with Hayden Sloth, right? So he's, he's a rookie, and um, he's like, and he, he didn't manage this in the room. He's like, look, up, boys, I don't give a fuck if you're our best player on the list, Maddie Pavlidge, or you're fucking Hayden Sloth. <laughs> but just get it done. <laughs> and, then, and then we walked out. I'm like, fucking stiff Sloth. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, fuck it, I want to stick to that. He's like, oh, and he's like, I didn't mean it like that. You know, what are you trying to say? He's a rookie and then a skipper, but fuck away, it come out. Like, do you, do you find any, like, through your experiences of copping treatment like that, probably in the four walls of footy, do you find, like, the way you look at your employees now, like, obviously you're, you're not giving them those pep talks, <laughs> but just in regards to, like, how you treat them, you know, work with them daily, get the best out, make sure they're enjoying their job because obviously it's a, you know, works both ways in, on that front. Yeah, so, it's a very different beast. It's yeah. a very different beast working with um, uh, people in everyday society yeah. uh, <laughs> and then coming from a locker room where the, the locker room f- feedback is, um, it's just, it is what it is. There's no, there's no way like around that, it. Yeah, nah, yeah. it's not around uh, yeah. that. Yeah, mm. um, and I think what what it what it stems from is in in the locker room or in the in the football world. It's very rare to be in an environment where everyone is trying their absolute best at one common goal. Mm-hmm. It doesn't necessarily happen a lot in, in what I, you know in the business world. Yeah, but in in the sporting world, you have a collective who are all trying as best as they possibly can. Um, and so that that environment um, allows for brutality of feedback, you know, like it, it is because that's what that's what everyone's demanding of each other, mm. you know. So if you're not there, you find out really quickly, <laughs> whereas crazy. that's not really how the the world works, you know, like in everyday yeah. life. Yeah, it's no, true. It was there, 18 teams, one trophy, so 17 are going to be pretty... A lot of feedback. Yeah, <laughs> a, lot, a, lot, a lot of film. <laughs> that's the thing. There's a, there's a camera, you know, we just got eye in the sky, but it, it doesn't lie either. So yeah, you, yeah. Doesn't, you think you're going all right and there's just one clip. You could find it. The thing I used to hate, though, you could find one shit clip on everyone. If you yeah, yeah, and you can run, so run you can in cycles. Kind of, yeah, so if you, if you want him to be dropped, you could find a reason why. <laughs> yeah. But, um, nah, it's great. Well, back to the... Um, Back to the, the New York. Who's who's um who's some of the coolest people you've ever seen in your cafes or you've met when you were there? Um, that's a good question, actually. Um, I'm trying to think who who's who we saw. Um, Emily Blunt. Emily oh, Blunt, yeah. the actress. I saw her one day. Um, well, she came to Hole in the Wall, did she? No, did no, no. I was her? sitting at a cafe in um, Williamsburg, and she oh. was she was sitting uh, a couple. Uh, things down. Um, I didn't do a lot of like uh, I was sort of a lot of dive bars in New York. I wasn't sort of going um, <laughs> bottles yeah. and table service like yeah. you told me. For two weeks. Not so funny now. Buy your house probably. Yeah, I know. I'm looking forward to going to New York and hitting these dive bars. Yeah, one oak. Yeah. Oh well, one oak's a club, but anyway. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, like the guys who who were sort of there, like Barry and stuff like that, hit a lot of uh, really great stories about. 
um, <laughs> all the big celebs and stuff That's like that. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. If okay, I know you want to go into like property and you've got some questions from from the listeners, but I'm keen to know like for you in your position, particularly for the listeners, like first home buyers or second home buyers, what's sort of some of the foundational things that they can leverage off your intelligence to, I guess, make the right decisions and the right investments there? Yeah, I think um, uh, most people buy between three and five properties in their lifetime. So mm. you're not supposed to be uh, an expert at it. It's a mm. really difficult um process to go through and most of the time you're dealing with um, people who are really, really experienced but are acting for the opposition. So yeah. agents act for the vendors, um, we're advocacy, we, you know, we work for, for the buyers. I think for the, the best advice I can to give someone is to, if they're going out on a loan, um, you know, do your due diligence. Um, location is the first, second, third and fourth most important thing. Um, there's three things you can't change about a property. You can't change where it is. You can't change how much land it is, and you can't change its orientation. Mm. Uh, they're the three things that you should always focus on. And if you've got to stretch yourself for it, um, you're better off stretching for the right one than buy, than than um, you know just buying something, right? Um, because the market doesn't always go up. Uh, and it's like a share market. So people look at the property market as a um, in its totality and they go, okay, well, the property market went up 20% last year, for example. But there's different assets within that class and, and not, all as, not all of those assets rise at the same rate. Yeah. So um, if you're buying a, a, a one-bedroom apartment, that, that, has, that has risen at a different level to a 500-square-metre house. You know, like, uh, and so I think that what you buy is so important, um, and people should should take the the, the time to to be really um, clear and diligent about what it is that they're acquiring. Okay, so I mean, for like you, when you're sort of talking about diligence, are you talking about going to like you know different sort of opens and you know looking at all the different forms of property in different areas before you actually pull the trigger on a decision or are you talking about like working with someone like yourself potentially and getting that advisory through it? Well, it's, it's. I mean, I think ideally you always outsource to someone who's an expert if, you, if you're not, especially with the amount of money that you're, you're spending. You know, like I used a navigate to buy my house because uh, I had made a bad decision the first time around. I was like, I'm an idiot here. I, I, I just spent this amount of money and I didn't really know what I was doing. Hmm. Um I understand not everyone has, you know, the the capacity to 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 outsource it, but I think it's just about the the due diligence is what am I buying and why am I buying it? Okay. What makes a good property? Yeah. Um, and I don't like I, I think because we do it so infrequently from a purchasing sense, a lot of people don't know what yeah. makes a good property. <clears throat> okay. Um, but there are fundamentals that that do. Um, why is this why is this property worth more than this one? Yeah. Um, well, what are the things about it that the market likes? Um, and the market is when, when I'm talking to people, if you need to sell or if you have to sell, the one thing you want is you want as many people as possible buying it from you. Yeah. Um, and that's that's what you should be looking for. It's a bit different to your tactic, eh, mate? Going on, going on his Instagram story, gold. where should I live? Question mark. <laughs> Out to his followers. <laughs> I think maybe you need to take some of Joe's advice here. Each to their own time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It might work. <laughs> Just on the, um, on the housing market, where are we heading in, where's Melbourne heading in 2022 and beyond? I think there's going to be a tapering uh, and a softening of the market. I think it's already happening. Um, we're in March now, the start of March. The market is different now than what it was in November last year, and that's mm. how quickly the market can turn 
people are putting their properties up for sale, thinking that they're going to get prices from last year and the, the, the appetite is not there at the moment. Uh, I think what we need is to be in more of a balanced market where you're having some even growth. Um, but what you look for is like an eight to 10-year cycle is a property market. Um, and yeah, there might have been two years of 20% growth, but there might be three more years of uh, a, a negative growth for one year or 3%. And that's what you want. You want an evenness over like a, a, an eight to 10 year period. Uh, we've just come out of a huge spike, which is unsustainable and affordability is a real concern for a lot of people. Um, and so you need it to be tapering off, whether it's accelerated by interest rate rises or not. No one really knows. I think that everyone was expecting interest rate rises, but there's obviously a huge concern in the world with what's going on in Europe at the moment, and these these uh, these disruptions that that's causing is you know going to be flowing through to to equity markets, capital markets, lending markets. Whether or not the every country is going to be able to raise right rates at the way that they thought, I, there's too many uncertainties to be able to predict it. What I do know is that if if you buy quality property, if you have a look at it over the last forever, 50 years, 100 years, it, tr- it tracks in, it trends in one way. Yeah. Yeah. It's a safe, one of the safest investments, they say, feel yeah. historically anyway. Melbourne's best suburbs to buy for investors at the moment. At the moment, um, after running so hot, there's not too many great yeah. investment <laughs> sites. <laughs> We're trying to get the market. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, right, step back yeah. out, mate. <laughs> I think that um, what you want to be looking for is, uh, you know, like the average sort of for investors, the average sort of range is probably between seven hundred and eight hundred thousand. So you want to be looking, okay, what what can I get for my money around there, and how much land can I get? In those pockets. So, do I want to go down to Geelong um, and buy down there? Do I want to be a little bit further out north and buy some land up there? Can I get some land down, um, you know, further down the coast, Seaford, Carrum, things yeah. close close to infrastructure, those sorts of things? Have those prices already gone? Um, that's what I would be looking yeah. for. You always look for infrastructure um, and schooling uh, and uh, and how. And, and affordability. I think that that's for an investor. See, the 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 market is starting to, to soften from a um, sales side of things, but the rental market's extremely strong. And so that's the balance is as as prices start to, to taper off a little bit from a growth sense, you know, we're getting this huge amount of demand from renters. Um, so as an investor, you might say, look, we might not be getting 6% growth year on year that we were, but our yields are starting to rise now because people uh, are paying more to, to lease our properties and rates are still low. So um, it depends on what you're, you, you're after as an investor. You know, like, am I looking for just capital growth? Am I looking for a yield? Those sorts of things. I nearly goes into it. Oh, mate, it's a lot. There's a lot. Finally, I've got one more question here. One of my mates is a real estate agent. He spoke more about your research and, and how you go about it. And what's your method? And you've kind of touched on it really yep. just there. So, But how do you actually get that information? And there's certain, especially for those of us that might not be in property. Yeah. You know, what websites and, and where do you go to see all this infrastructure and all that kind of stuff that's going up? There's... Um there's the the data is all available. It's um, you can you can buy it, um, uh, property data and things like that. Um, so you can see what um, prices have been doing. Um, and then a, a lot of it is about uh, educating yourself 
on why uh, one property sells for something and why another one sells for something else. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's from experience um, going through homes, um, understanding what the market wants. Um, so when you're dealing with clients, you understand what a client wants. So if, if you've got a client who's got um, two young children, um, you can sort of pick straight away. Okay, well, this is the kind of floor plan that they're going to they're going to want. This is the kind of area that they're going to want. This is probably the kind of house size from a land sense that they're going to want. They're going to want to be walking distance to these types of things. Yeah. So if you it's like anything you, you practice, um, you know kicking a footy enough, you eventually make, you make it look pretty easy. Yeah. Um, and that's the same thing as um, properties. You just start to identify really quickly what makes a good property, what makes a bad one. Yeah. That's why we love doing, mate. Aces in business. We love this conversation. A lot we of do. listeners have probably got yeah. your nut, your pen and notepads out like like we both do. But Those questions were from my mate James from Rain and Horn. He's not as, <laughs> not as good go. as a great man, but I thought I'd ask his questions. <laughs> do, we, um, do we want to touch on Morning Joes and give that a bit yes, of a plug? Yes, we certainly we, do. We yep. certainly do. So you've been kind enough to um, to create a, a discount code for all our listeners out there that are looking to, to buy some of your coffee. Yep. Um, so, yeah. What was the uh, code that you've? you've yeah, played? I thought we'd use aces. Um, oh, so go. if we type in, we type in aces, aces, we can organise a twenty percent discount. And uh, just a, a bit of a history on on, on Morning Joe Coffee. So um, you know, we source the, the arabica beans from South America. It then goes and gets um, roasted and freeze dried in Germany, uh, and then sent out to us here. Wow. So the major difference between, um, I guess, the, the style of instant that we we try to create is that. Um, Ours is uh, freeze dried rather than chemically dried, brewed in smaller batches, um, and so there's a there's a freshness to to the coffee. And then we individual serving sachets, and all our um, sachets are completely 100% compostable, so everything can just go and broken down into the ground. But we feel like it's single serve, so uh, you're not you're not opening the packet and then it's getting stale and things like that. It's, right. it's that freshness. So we're trying to create the sense of a, a high-quality long black that you would get at a, at a cafe um, where you can take it anywhere you want. Um, and uh, it's I think that the, the feedback that we've had so far is that people are enjoying it. Um, they, they think that uh, it's a, a different style of instant and, and they're – a lot of people drink instant. A lot of people yeah. drink instant because yeah. not everyone has the access to uh, a local cafe. No, uh, not everyone feels comfortable spending the kind of money that you, yeah. you, you know, like a coffee is now. Yeah. Um, and so we we feel like there's a, there's an opportunity there, and and people have been enjoying it so far. How much does it cost? So uh, we serving Sasha uh, serving packets come in uh, boxes of 12 um, so it's 20, $22 postage and handling um, we're all online so everything can be ordered online awesome. so we, I've been Walking down to the post office and dropping the yeah, boxes. Yeah, I've seen the that. I love the hustle. Yeah. I've been there, mate. I used to sell them at the back of the Jeep. Yeah. <laughs> How good's that? So, yeah, we send it out and, and just a little gift card and just some tasting notes and things like that. And we really welcome people's feedback on what they like, what they don't like about it. But um, we're all online. You can just, uh, you know, go on our Instagram page, Morning Joe Coffee, and, and order online. So, there you go. And it's there's got- more to it as well. I've noticed that, um, and congratulations. It's, yeah, congrats. It's on incredible with everything you're doing. It's awesome. Um, Toby Green's a big long black drinker, so Is we'll it? get him some. I'll have to send up. I'll, I'll put the milk in there, but I might have to try yours. But now, I've never <laughs> yeah. tried it before. Yep. Um, but you, you donate a dollar to a certain charity with everything yeah, as well. We do. We, we try to uh, 
sort of big on you know men, mental health, obviously, um, like a lot of people are, and, and the the concerns in society about it. So we try to have a philosophy where it, it's a morning's made, um, and you know, like it's a it's almost like a process, a little bit more like meditation, where you know, like it's part of a ritual, um, and having that time out to in, to enjoy coffee, um, to to relax and to set up your day, um, and then donating you know, part of our proceeds to helping someone else, you know, who might be struggling um, with their mental health and, and being able to, you know, f- if we can contribute in any way to, to make someone else's day feel a little bit better than that, that's uh, the, the premise behind yeah, it. It's brilliant. Well there you go. 20% off ACEs discount code Morning Joes. It's been live since January, so... Mate, get on it, everyone. It'd be uh, and Joe's- I'll, I'll be more than happy to walk down to the post yep. office. <laughs> Joe's dropping him off at doorsteps. <laughs> yeah, 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 might meet the man himself. <laughs> we've got a few more questions here, mate. And sure. uh, these could be some random ones now. And really appreciate everything we've we've touched on. These there's a, there's a couple of footy ones here. So from Darcy Blight, he he asked, "What was it like having James Heard as coach? And can you see him coaching again?" It's a good question. Hurdy was my hero, you know, like as a growing up, and I was just I loved playing with him, and uh, he was a wonderful guy um, as a teammate. And so, um, you know, I was really excited when he came back to coach. It's probably the relationship changes a bit because it has to, you know, as a as a teammate when, when that teammate becomes a coach. Um, but I, I think that uh, with what happened, he, you know, obviously it really damaged him personally, um, and I think that he still has a lot to offer in the football world. But he. Has probably got to the stage where he feels like his life um, is going to be more about the business world because I know he's got such a, a, a smart business acumen. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's been wonderful to see him come back to the football world, and, and I know that he's doing some mentoring in, in and leadership facilitating in the Giants. And I think that there's a he's a really wonderful source of knowledge, and, and I'm, I'm glad to see him back because he's probably um, him being lost to the game was to the game's detriment. Yeah. It's incredible. He's one of my favourites as well growing up. Superstar. Get kicked out of Giants and I well, retired a bit one year early. But now <laughs> the great man's down there. Doing yeah, there you go. Hey, boys are loving him. I hope heard Are they? Oh, They're that's great. Him. And they're yeah. saying that he's um, – Giants is an amazing club. I've yeah. only been to two, but it's it, it's an unbelievable club. And I reckon Hurdy's walked in and gone, how good is this club? And it is because it's so isolated. There's not much, you know, Melbourne media like it, you yeah. know, we see. And yep. the feedback from what I've heard from players is, you know, everyone loves him. And, you know, like even Toby, he, that was his idol as well, mine yep. growing up. And um, he's mates with Spike and a few of the coaches as well. So I yeah. think he loves going to the club just naturally. But, you know, I think he's required, from what I'm understanding, he's just required to be there every now and then for some mentorship. But he's been there like every session and he yeah, watches every day. That's awesome. Know, he's loving it. So, yeah, the boys are loving him and I think he's loving the club. So it's fantastic to see uh, the great man back at it. He'd great. He'd offer great perspective for, for players. He'd be, he'd be really great at um, at helping guys, um, you know, with life out, art, after footy life, outside football, but also he's got such an uh, enormous amount of knowledge about the game as well. Yeah, package. I think that's how it all started, actually. Matt DeBoer, who's very yes. switched on, got him involved. Now we're off to horse racing. Oh, yes. Here we go. Congratulations on the weekend. Oh, yeah, I, I, Thank we you. watched the race this morning, actually. He showed you? me the uh, the run through. Bloody hell, convincing. Yeah, very I just said when drove it, he go, mate, where was the tip? <laughs> <laughs> 
Congratulations, mate. So where's it, you know, one on the weekend, what's plans next for Ana Visto? Yeah, it was very exciting. So Tommy um, Bell Chambers and Kyle Hooker and I were out there at the track and uh, and we had a wonderful time and really enjoyed it. And um, we've been, uh, it's a very small ownership group. So uh, there's only five owners. Um, and uh and you know we only own a small part of it, but we just enjoy. We celebrated like we were <laughs> the whole thing. <laughs> but uh, she's um, she's gonna she's gone down to the beach for a uh, a week or so because she's got three weeks in between runs. So she's gonna head up to the uh, the group two emancipation stakes uh, on March twenty sixth, and then um, the. Coolmore Legacies, uh, which is the 9th of April on Queen Elizabeth Day. So um, that's the group one. Oh, wow. That's yeah. the main event. Well, I mean, we're very fortunate to have, have her to win a uh, group three. So we're really excited about that. So just to have her running in group races yeah, is an enormous man. thrill. Yeah. She, she runs like the trainer too. <laughs> <laughs> the yeah, you, can't, you can't get in an F45, mate. You're addicted to the track. <laughs> uh, that's awesome. There's a lot of people there with horses. They don't win many. It's, uh, it's great. This one's more of a serious one. Uh, who is your mentor? Um, and you might have more than one. And how have they helped you so much? Yeah, I've got a, a couple of people that I that I talk to, um, and they they're there to offer perspective. That's what they help me with because um, you know you know I try to be as curious as I can. Um, so I try to ask you know questions of of them about the scenarios that they they've, they've been in, um, and they're generally they're they're older people, so they've got wisdom, you know. Yeah. And there's that saying that the wisdom comes after. Um, yeah. And so you, that's what you need. Like you need people who have gone through things that can offer you perspective. Um, so I've got a few people that I speak to. How does Job get clients wanting him to purchase houses for him? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, it would be from uh, past clients. Is a number is a really good, um, uh, I guess, uh, referral. Uh, mortgage brokers are a really good uh, referral of business because obviously they're, they're dealing with clients who can't buy, uh, and, and so they they need help. Um, you know, player managers. I speak to a lot of player managers. Help out a lot of the uh, players buy properties, uh, and also real estate agents are a really good uh, referrer of business. Um, they're the pe- they're meeting people all the da- time who are like they're they're sort of low hanging fruit. Like they're meeting people who are looking to try and buy a house, mm. um, and and then you know if we've proven ourselves to be good at what we do, then um, they're able to you know say look have you thought about an advocate have you spoken to anyone would you like to and then it's about us to sell our yeah. service you know we we're not um sales agents but we're selling our service like a lot of people are and then our, once once someone engages us we're there to advise people to buy um so my my job's not to sit on the fence my job's to have an opinion and to um to validate that opinion with with facts and and evidence um so they're probably the main avenues of, of, of business past clients, mortgage brokers and, and agents. Yeah, referrals, fantastic. So you're always on. Yeah. Can't switch off. No. <laughs> That's great. Um, back to a footy one. This is this, – have you still got your Brownlow medal that you won or did you have to get back? <laughs> no, I never had it. I never gave it – I never had it. I, I gave it to my mum and okay. uh, and she had it the whole time and then I think Dad gave it back to uh, – Oh, so that physically – I think so, yeah. yeah. That's, yeah. that's what he said to me. That's brutal. That even hurts me, mate. Yeah. I actually put a photo up on my Instagram because I was a big Bombers man. I think it was my second or first year of actually playing at Frio. Was it? Yeah. And I was like, what a champion. <laughs> <laughs> so here we are. Now we're in a caravan together yeah. <laughs> talking, about, talking about business. 
Well, mate, that's pretty much all we've got. I mean, it's um, there's. I mean, I could talk to you about. We're going to have with Tommy talks. This is this is aces in business. We'll yep. talk NFL and NBA and and everything else. But thanks so much for your time. Um, what's the website if people do want to use Joe Watson as a buyer's advocate for them? Where do they head to? In Folio Property Advisors is uh, is the website, and um, my details are there on online. So you'd be able to um, to hit me up and and uh, come and chat. Chad, if, you, if you're going to New York, you've got Hole in the Wall Cafe. <laughs> and if you do want your instant coffee at home, Morning Joe's co- Coffee, use Aces at discount. You'll get 20% off courtesy of Joe. He'll even hand pack it and head to uh, the Oz Post for you. Mate, last one, always the best one. But who do you believe would be a great guest for us in the future? Oh, that's a good question, actually. Um, in the business world, um, would you like an, an ex sort of football person or we're, we're an open book? Like we're an open book. The way I've set it, we've set it up is I think aces is why I put the word aces and we haven't really done a show on this, but is someone that's good at sport or good at something mm-hmm. and then obviously in business. So it kind of can be anyone at the top of their game in their in their field, but if it is a sportsman um, or woman uh, that's, that's in business, it's always attractive as well. So Okay. To answer um, your question, anyone? <laughs> Sure. <laughs> you know, why don't you you shoot for the the stars? Um, is it Rob Scott, who's the CEO of West Farmers? He's oh, the next yeah. rower. There you go. Yeah, I think I think, I think Griffin Logue might be family friends. With there you him. go. That's surely the case. I think I've been in his house yeah. in North Bondi. <laughs> <laughs> I think if it's the one, it might be a new guy. Yeah, there's not too many more impressive people from the really? from a sporting perspective who've gone on to business. I mean, he's uh, you know, yeah. the CEO of one massive. of the biggest, biggest companies in Australia. So there you go. Leave it with us. Yeah, Shoot go, for mate. the stars, Tommy. Do you have a connection to him? No, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get it off someone yeah. else. <laughs> right, well, Tommy, Joe, it's been a pleasure doing business. Yeah, it has been. Thanks for coming on, our first guest, mate. Yes. Thanks for having me, yeah, guys. Appreciate it. it. Really appreciate it. And um, go the Raiders. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, there it is. Job Watson, ladies and gentlemen. Just a huge thank you to Job for coming on the show and talking to Jake and I and sharing so much wisdom and value to all the listeners out there. That's what Aces in Business is all about. We're trying to find all the entrepreneurs, all the businessmen and women in the world to sit down with us and just share a little, might be one tip, might be 20, but we want to make sure that everyone out there can, can grow and learn as much as they can from all the superstars around us. So thanks again, Job, and thank you so much to Bay Juice for hopping on board for this episode. Anyone drinking piss this weekend, you know exactly what to do. Get your lips around Bay before you wrap them around a beer or a drink or a spicy margarita because you know the results in the morning. It'll be the first thing you think when you wake up.